Welcome to the Women's Month edition of the Easy Does It podcast, your cool guide to investing. Today we're talking all things women and finance. My name is Carly Barnes and I'm hanging out with S, Tando, Pinky and Sejo and we're talking about experiences, thoughts and everything money related. We're going to chat a bit and talk about finding a balance. Oh, hallelujah. I'm still trying to do that in every aspect of my life. Uh, from budgeting, saving, investing, dealing with black tax and the pay disparity between women and men. And still got a bunch of really cool voice notes. So uh, let's get into it. Let's play our first voice notes. Unwind, get comfortable, press play, and let the lady speak. Hi, guys. So I'd like to know, as someone who earns just a little bit less than maybe 120,000 rands a year, I'd like to know what I should prioritize, saving or investing because I also have other responsibilities I want to take care of and I'm not so sure I'd be able to do both. So what what do I do? Saving and investing, guys. This is such an interesting conversation. I think this links to almost like a bigger conversation, which I'm gonna call the G-spots. Yeah, I just said that. I just said that on this podcast. When I say the G-spot, I'm talking about goals talking about financial goals. Um, And I think that's really where the conversation comes in about saving and investing because it has got to do with what your end game is. What are your financial goals? For some of us, knowing exactly what we're working towards is a huge motivating factor to saving and investing our money. For others, it's about creating that habit and just the consistency. You might not know exactly where that money's gonna go, what it's gonna do for you, but you know you've just gotta get started. So I wanna hear from our guests today, the the fab four. Uh, What are your thoughts on goals? What would you like to use your invested money for and when? What are the kind of strategies that you're applying to get to those goals? Uh, Tando, let's let's hear from you. Yeah, um, so I really honestly can boil down my goals to just one goal um, and that's so I'm part of what's called the FIRE movement, which essentially stands for financial independence, retire early. So that really is like my one big goal. So when I invest, that's really what I'm investing for. So I want to be financially independent as soon as possible, really like today if possible. <laughs> so I want to make sure that I, I, I reach that point as soon as possible so I can have more choices and more, um, I don't know, like more time to do the things that I really enjoy without really having to think about earning an, an income um, and obviously retire early at some point. It, it, it currently, I'm aiming to retire early at, at 35. So I have a very specific goal that I that I track quite meticulously um, and it really drives all my actions in, in terms of how I think about earning money, how I think about investing, my investing strategy. It all really stems from that that one goal and in terms of my strategy it's pretty simple to be honest so i'm a very lazy person honestly speaking so i don't do anything when it comes to picking stocks or or anything like that because that really is just not part of the type of person i am i i would not be able to spend the amount of time learning about picking stocks and actually going into the market and taking that risk and being comfortable taking that risk, especially taking into consideration all the research that's been done in terms of 
like how successful people are in picking stocks is compared to like investing in index funds and ETFs and things like that. So I really focus on those index funds and, and ETFs. Um, I'm pretty minimal. I only invest currently on the in four ETFs, which I still feel like is a lot. <laughs> so at some point I will reduce that. But yeah, that that really is is my goal, and that's where that's why I why, why I invest. And I take advantage of things like taxi savings accounts, retirement annuities. Um, I also have like a normal brokerage account. So that's generally speaking my my strategy and my goal. And I think goals for me are so important because at the end of the day what are you trying to achieve right because you can earn a lot of money in life you can always earn more money there's always more money to be earned there's more wealth to be had you know but at one point is it enough for you for you to actually live a truly happy life that you're content with and where you have full control of your time your actions where where you are which part of the world you, you live in and and things like that so that's why for me goals are really important because they, they will help you find a strategy that fits you because if it is personal finance not everyone's going to do the same thing Teho, are you also gonna retire at 35 and make me feel like um <laughs> like a complete well i'll just feel jealous actually i'll feel super jealous are you also gonna retire that early I really hope so. I really hope that will be possible. So yeah, I really will see how things go. Uh, so that's amazing that you you're gonna retire at my age. Uh, wow! I wish I wish I could retire right now. That would be amazing. Is what's your what's your plan? Do you you mentioned uh, you know you've mentioned about having an emergency fund um, and and all of that kind of thing. So can you talk a bit about your goals? But also I think that difference between saving and investing because I think you probably can you can speak to that quite well. Yeah. So um, for me the difference between savings and investing um saving for me is short term you know saving less than 12 months let's say uh, or 24 months um it's basically you you're saving for something that you want to do take a holiday you know buy a bag buy those shoes that you like spoil yourself a little bit whereas investing for me is is anything over 5 years you know it's it's a long term plan that you you investing towards um investing for your kids education while they they're young um investing for me I know um I'm also on the same path like Tando I want to I don't want to retire when the government says I must retire I want to retire a bit earlier than the age that has been set so for me it's it's that goal I'm I'm sort of financial goals based it's ba- goals based um uh investing that I do so I know that I want to retire early and a lot of what I do right now how I spend my money is geared towards that long term view of saying you know how much must I be putting away on a monthly basis to sure that I get to what I'm, I'm I'm going towards and I think for me just to keep myself in check I I have a set amount that I put away every month and um come hell or high water I try and keep that amount co- amount constant and if I can't uh, do it on a certain month it's absolutely fine knowing that I'll catch up in the next you know coming few months so it's it's just getting into that habit for me and being consistent in terms of what I want and ensuring that my dreams of you know being able to travel with my family um comes to fruition or is realized you know being financially independent there's nothing as horrible as wanting to do something and not 
not and finances being the restriction. I think for me that's 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 a big factor in terms of how I'm how I'm putting my money away. I want to be able to say, you know, let's go on a family holiday with my kids. If my kids tell me they want to learn about coding, I should be able to have some funds already saved up for them to be able to do those things. So it's the freedom for me being the freedom to do what I want without money being a restricting factor. Do you think that an emergency fund is considered part of your saving strategy or part of your investing strategy? I like to think of it as a saving as a saving strategy to be honest. Um, yes, it does impact on the long term, but just being able when an emergency happens to be able to have something uh, saved up. So for me definitely short term. I think it's it's a short term thing and uh, it, it helps you in so many ways uh, that you can't imagine. So for me, it's definitely short term. It's something that I need within, you know, usually they say three to six months. Um, but I think COVID has shown us, you know, it might you might need a lot more than that. And I think uh, it's we've got to be clear about what an emergency is. Uh, like an emergency is not buying a, a really pretty dress or taking a weekend away. That is not an emergency. An emergency is when your car breaks down and you have to fix it or your kids sick and you have hospital bills to pay and I think um, one of the questions we've gotten is um, do I need to be doing both do I need to be saving and investing so I don't know Pinky what do you think about that absolutely I'm very passionate about <laughs> emergency funds uh, I think the first thing that people I, 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 I kind of agree with is and um, I'm a big fan of Simon Brown's I think without him I probably wouldn't be as far as I am on this journey I learned from him a couple of years ago that he has an emergency fund, I think at the time it was 12 months. So I was like, no man, this three to six months is nonsense. So fortunately for me, when COVID struck, I had a massive um, emergency fund. I think mine is that I was at about 18 months, probably is a bit more now. <laughs> yeah, but it's different for everybody. Um, I personally do believe that minimum should be six months. I think those days of three months is gone. Um, CPI is in South Africa is about around about 4%, uh, actually probably a bit more now, but the reality is each individual's inflationary, ex you know, inflationary uh, experience is different uh, because of how our family setups are and the baskets that they use. I mean, they change what is in the CPI basket like every couple of months and you're like, who buys the stuff? Who is buying this? You know, like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't deal. So I think it's an incorrect measure of, of what you need to look at. And then taking into consideration as well that in South Africa currently, our, because of we are, our interest rates are the lowest we've had in quite a number of decades, it means that any savings you've got are not earning a lot of interest. So that saving really should be for proper emergencies. And I, I like I said, I do agree with Ace that COVID has shown us quite a lot. A lot of people unfortunately lost their jobs, uh, but more so a lot of people got salary cuts. So I know more people who uh, had their salary reduced by between 20 to 40 percent than I know people who lost their jobs. And the impact is the same because often you're the breadwinner of that particular family and it is important to have. So I've got a big emergency fund because I'm a breadwinner of my immediate family and my financial goals are to give them the most comfortable life. Um, uh, I mean, my parents didn't have much then. They were never going to be millionaires because of where they started in life, but they gave me the, the best foundation I could have asked for. So my main thing is to make them as comfortable and as happy as, as I possibly can afford. Uh, so that's the main thing. Then the second thing, of course, is um, I'm not into fire. <laughs> I'm more into financial independence. I like to be busy. Um, 
I, I want to help people. So my main goals is to reach financial independence, but being to have the freedom to give more. Um, I, I've always uh, had this thought that I want to have because I'm still living in in my in my in my Kasi community. I would like to have some kind of uh, you know NGO NPO that helps people um, with their finances, uh, helps people, especially youth. I'm very passionate about youth development, and uh, so I, I really want to assist youngsters in choosing the right careers, choosing the right subjects from like primary high school level. So that they make the right decisions in life, um, you know, because often they don't have somebody that is looking out for them. They don't have somebody that they can speak to. So if we can bring those people to them and they've got these people in their backyard and the service is free, uh, you know, so 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 that's the one thing. And then something else obviously that I'm very passionate about. Everybody knows I've got a small radio. Um, I want everything of the best when people say that oh but you're privileged i want them to be talking about her so i want her to have the best education that i can afford i want to be able to attend uh, her school events activities and i'm very fortunate that with covid i'm actually she's no longer using a, a transport service i'm taking her and picking her up from school and i've got a job that allows me to attend at the time when they had sports obviously i'm sure you all know sports, school sports and activities are now cancelled and so for the notice but i've been able to attend some of her events and i've just seen how she's blossomed because kids need to know that okay you love them and you support them but they need to see it in action as well so if you're always working um it doesn't mean much to them you know so i want to be there uh she wants to be i don't know she wants to be an astronaut she wants to be a swimmer uh she's loving the olympics so i'm like do you want to be in the olympics she said yes but i'm like okay cool that means we need to practice more you know so i want to be there for every step and obviously um underlying that is i want her to have the freedom to pursue whatever career she wants and not have to worry about money because it is very unfair to the next generation that we don't push uh, we don't push enough in our in our lifetimes and put a burden on them so uh, that's yeah that's what motivates me each and every day so time and opportunity to give to the ones that you love and I think that's a big motivator for all of us what you what you actually also touched on there was the disparity between men and women being the breadwinner um, in your family um, some of you actually also mentioned black tax. So I want to play these next voice notes and we can maybe pick up on some of those themes. Unwind, get comfortable, press play and let the lady speak. Hi, um, I just wanted to know, looking at the life of an average South African, how do you think one can go about incorporating um, all the things we hear or we are taught about financial literacy? You have this minimum wage you're supporting three, five people, there's black tax, then you still have to have money to save and invest. How do you think one can actually go about it in the South African context? Hi, my question is, what do you think needs to be done to narrow the pay gap between men and women who are doing the same job in the workplace? So I'm going to ask the question, how do you navigate black tax, especially since women are underpaid compared to men? How does that play out if it does for you? Uh, Tando, I think you actually mentioned that earlier. Um, can you speak to that? Yes. Um, so black tax, I, <laughs> I feel like I, I've been struggling more and more with that term of black tax because I'm, I don't necessarily see it as 
attacks anymore or in, and I just don't feel like the term fits. So I like calling it um, just like family support. I think it sounds better um, because I'm also just a product of black tax when I really think about it because I was raised by people who are not necessarily my, my parents. It was just people that were really supportive, that were part of my family that came together and, and made me who I am. So I don't necessarily like thinking about it as black tax. But the one privilege I will acknowledge is the fact that I don't necessarily have that much black tax. I don't have someone that's dependent on me that needs me to send them money. Um, when I send money home, it's really just because I want to send money um, and they're not, they're not relying on me. But I think we should also remember when we think about black tax, how much of a privilege it is to be in a position where you can send money when you have it, right? And actually, think about also the fact that there's also a balance to be had right because you can't pull from from an empty cup which i think a lot of people is a trap that a lot of people fall into because when you start working or maybe at the first or the second person to start working in your family and there's a lot of things that or a lot of people that need support from you you might find yourself in a position where you are essentially giving the money that you don't actually have and you end up getting into debt and all of those things and that never works out well so i think when it comes to black tax, it's really important to to emphasize the fact that you can't pour from an empty cup. You have to make sure that when you are giving, you're not giving to such an extent that you're making your yourself vulnerable and ruining your life as well. Because you're also a human being, and you want to be able to give from a place of of happiness, and not a place of like like you know grudgingly giving because you have to, you know. Um, but yeah, so I don't necessarily have black tax, so that's not something that I have had to necessarily manage. Although I do send money quite regularly to my to my grandparents, it's it's not an obligation at this at this point. I mean, would anyone else say that it is? I, I've heard from some people that they do feel that it's an obligation and that there is a lot of pressure um, on them to do that. And they do get themselves into these kind of really difficult situations where they broke and they, they're struggling just to support um, their family, as you put it, supporting your family. Um, Tejo, I don't know if, if you've um, been, you know, been exposed to anything like that. Um, I haven't been exposed to anything like that. I recently started working full time and my parents have never like asked me to give them any money or anything like that it's just something i like to do because i feel like they've done so much for me and i'm so happy to be in a position when where i can actually help them out so i try to help where i can but uh, they don't expect me to do anything it's just something that i really want to do pinky you're nodding your head um can you relate to that yes um i hate the term black tags <laughs> <laughs> the problem that people uh, have is, especially within the African community, I can't speak about other communities, thinking about the African communities, it is difficult to have frank money conversations with our elders. And that puts us in these corners that becomes very difficult to get out of. So the advice that I would have for some of our listeners is, as soon as you start working, um, not even when you start working. I know of people who have got study loans that are supporting their families uh, or giving back, people that are using their nest first money to educate their younger siblings. So it, it starts at a very young age. I think what is important is to start having, not being afraid to have those honest, open money conversations with your parents, uncles, aunts uh, at a young age. So say to the boundaries upfront, know what you can and can't do. Um, and, and, and so I think that's the one thing. And the second thing is 
there's nothing wrong with supporting your 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 siblings uh because we obviously expect them to do better than us especially if they're younger um or your you know your your other cousins or nieces and nephews i don't think there's anything wrong but do set do set boundaries with that as well because i think what happens often is we don't set boundaries and then people just assume that the money that you are saving and investing you're showing people you're earning dividends there is <laughs> on easy equities and your 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 your, your portfolio is so much and they think that that money is for them so um we just need to be cognizant of that set the boundaries i can't emphasize that enough and start young uh where once you're like 28 29 it's too late to set a boundary with your mom I, I, i'm speaking from experience <laughs> so. it's never too late <laughs> but i just want to i just want to emphasize that the conversation that she mentioned pinky and i think it's such an important conversation to have with whoever you're supporting right to to set those expectations and make sure that everyone is on the same page because you also need to budget right it's not like this money is just going to come out of the air like it needs to come from somewhere so at least if you've sat down and you've decided that okay i'm going to set you, send you x amount of money every single month and that's the amount of money that you can expect from me and that's what i can comfortably give then you set the expectation that person is also going to adapt to that budget as well and you they can actually meet you meet you halfway and i think that conversation even though it's hard it's really really valuable Look, I think across the board money conversations are still difficult. Um it doesn't matter what your background is or what your, you know, we all struggle to have money conversations with our family at for different reasons at different times. Is um what do you think about all of this? So, I I often like to think we're the sandwich generation. I know for myself I am and what I mean by that is I am left with having to provide for those that come before me mostly you know family older family members grandma parents you know and I'm also trying to build a future for myself and also build a future for my kids so there's this I'm almost stuck in between the two and balancing the two and family tax like I like to call it a not black tax is because you know I I was helped by an aunt in my final year of varsity to pay for the school fees so I I always you know I wasn't only helped by my parents the external family members that helped to where I am to be where I am today so I like to have like everyone has mentioned is that you know have those boundaries and have amounts so I often tell the story my siblings and I so I'm the oldest um you know I had to give back for my siblings to be educated and they got educated and thank goodness they have great jobs and once they had finished and you know started working after a while we had this conversation of how to deal with this collectively and that helps on so many levels and trying to deal with it by yourself so we had a conversation and said guys how do we you know with the first generation that have got good jobs that are working professionals how do we deal with this because it's there and it won't go away and we decided that on a monthly basis we'll contribute to have a bank account where we send the money on a monthly basis with certain amount and whenever there's an issue that arises or there's a need that arises then we go to that account and take the money from there because it does happen um we know it will happen it's just a matter of when it happens so having that amount ready when it does happen helps a whole lot and for you know this is for immediate family for extended family unfortunately we can't help everyone so we do have you know we have to use some of our emergency fund if, if it goes to that but it's having that boundaries 
conversation and saying, you know, I'm investing. Yes, you see me posting the dividends and everything, but this money is not for now. Um, it's for things I'm building towards and having that conversation because it's very important. And the money, we need to have this money conversation. Like you said, Carly, it's not easy to do, but the more you talk about it, the less taboo it becomes and the more people get to understand where you're coming from when you do make those decisions and when you do say no I cannot help right now but maybe next month or the following month I'll be able to send you something also I think it destigmatizes it when we when we have the conversations you know and we we take away that that thing that makes us not talk about it's not a big secret we you know, if we have the conversation, we can empower ourselves to do differently. So I love that proactive approach. I love the, the transparency and the setting boundaries. And I think that that speaks to balance, you know, um, as a whole. And I think we, we're going to, that's going to bring us to the end of part two, but we're carrying on this conversation. Um, so stick around for part three. It's going to be just as good. Let us know what you think of this episode via our social media channels. Our handle is at easy equities. Till next time, take it easy.